You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All, and I'm the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We are a Pinterest management company that helps manage our clients' Pinterest presence so they can focus back on their business. But I have this podcast too, where I help you DIY your Pinterest marketing. Today's episode, episode 138, is such a fun one for me. I really go deep into coaching and giving advice for how Ty of His and Her Money, how they can restart their Pinterest presence again. You can hear her story of how they got started on Pinterest a little bit about three years ago and then really had a big stall and haven't really picked up the Pinterest baton since then. But the great part about their site is their content diversification is so wide. They're blogging, they're podcasting, and they have a really active YouTube channel. So in this episode, what I'm doing is getting the history of Ty and their company. And then I'm going deep into giving her strategic action items for how to get Pinterest up and running again without spending too much time. Because you really do need to keep focusing back on your content. And if your Pinterest marketing is taking up too much of your time, then you're not creating the content that your audience needs. So she creates three goals for herself at the end with a bonus one that I finally remembered at the end of the episode. And we're going to revisit with each other in about six months or a year to see what's happened once she's implemented these strategies. It was so, so fun for me. I know I've said that like twice already, but I love this really unpacking how to make Pinterest work for your business in a way that does not cause you to have burnout. And that's really where I was going with Ty is I did not want them to have burnout with all the other things that they're doing to generate content for their business. So have a listen to those tips. All right, before we dive into the episode two, one of the things we mentioned here is utilizing Tailwind Smart Loop. And we have Tailwind Smart Loop simplified. And that is a course to help you get up and running on using Smart Loop in an effective way that helps you have your Pinterest pins going out on a regular schedule, but you're not having to check in with it every single day. So in this episode, I give Ty some tips about how she can use Tailwind Smart Loop to her advantage and touch base with it once a month. So if you really want to get started with Tailwind Smart Loop, head to simplepinmedia.com slash 138. Those are the show notes for this episode. And you can see a link to our course, Tailwind Smart Loop Simplified. We have been getting great reviews. There's almost 300 people who have gone through the course and they are really getting their smart loops up and running, ready to go. So it's an effective business builder and not a time suck for their time. All right, with that, we'll dive into today's episode with Ty. Hey, Ty, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. Hey, Kate, thanks so much for having me. Oh, uh, you bet. I am so excited to talk to you. You and I had a chance to meet in person, actually. It was twice for sure, but you were at Activate too, right? Yes, I was. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we didn't get to meet at Activate, but I met your twin, correct? Correct. 
Girl, which what? is how I confused you when I saw you at FinCon. Hilarious. We're so used to it. I have an identical twin sister. And yes, you met with her at Activate, but then you met with me at FinCon. Yes, it was so great. And then we had time um, in filming EBA 4.0 in Tampa that we really got to sit down with each other and talk a little bit more, which was cool. Yes, yes, it was. You are amazing in person. Oh I listen you, to the podcast. I absolutely love it. So when I approached you, I'm like, I'm just going to say hi and just let you know how much you're so amazing. So <laughs> you are really, really kind, even in person. So yeah. Well, thank you for that very sweet compliment. You as well. And it was just um, great to hear about your guys' business. And as I started to think about personal finance, it got me thinking about touching base with you about kind of like how you guys have used Pinterest for your business and what that journey has been like. So I'm excited to dive into that today and then kind of help you get a restart on Pinterest and set some goals for this next year as well. So before we dive into that, tell people all about what you and your husband do and the blog and the great things that you guys are doing for the personal finance community. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually uh, run this platform, His and Her Money, with my husband, Talit. Um, so I like to say that I'm the her to His and Her Money. Uh, we have a podcast called the His and Her Money Show, uh, where everywhere you can listen to podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel and you can also find us online at hisandhermoney.com. But we teach couples how to manage their money, marriage, and everything else in between. Everything you can think of, we're probably talking about it. Uh, but our primary interest is definitely in the finance side of it uh, because we have a very, I don't want to say unusual story because I believe that uh, typically when a husband and wife typically get married, you're going to ha probably have a spender and a saver. And that was the story of our lives. However, uh, my husband, uh, we like to say was financial infidelity. Prior to getting married, I actually found out that he had more debt than he led me to believe. Oh, yeah. So talk about something that seemed uh, very devastating. And then, you know, years later, uh, the Lord definitely taken our story and we're able to use it online to actually share with the masses how we've been able to not only just become completely debt free, uh, but recently, uh, last year, we were able to pay off $330,000, which was our mortgage. And that's amazing. Uh, five years. So yeah, so thank you. So yeah, so that's, that's what we do. So definitely, you guys can definitely find us over at hisandhermoney.com for more information. Definitely go check that out. I am so inspired by um, debt-free stories. My husband and I are debt-free too and have been for a while. And there's something just so, um, so much freedom. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're struggling with debt, definitely go listen to that. So I'm curious, when did you start um, the blog podcast? Kind of what came first? Okay, so our blog and our YouTube channel actually started first. Um, we started about four, a little over four years ago. Uh, later on this year, it'll be going into five years. Uh, and then we started our podcast probably about three months after we started our blog and our YouTube channel. So sort of everything kind of started at the same time uh, for the most part, but we were just trying to get our feet wet in all areas because we know that a lot of people learn from you know different styles. Some like to learn uh, via video, some like auditory, listen to podcasts, or even on our website. So then how often do you do a YouTube video slash show? And then how often do you do a podcast? So our podcast pretty much comes out at least three times a week. And we have a Sunday night sit down show on our YouTube where we come out Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So we treat it like a television show. You know, how you love to watch your favorite, you know, sitcom or whatever series that you're watching and you can't wait till the following week, you know, to see what happened. Um, and so that's pretty much how we treat our YouTube channel. We do take breaks here and there, but for the most part, it's every single Sunday night you can find us over on YouTube. 
And have you noticed any crossover between your podcast slash blog listeners and your YouTube audience? Do they tend to be the same or are they really different? Yes and no. They're very, very different. Uh, Our YouTube tends to be more of your stay-at-home mom uh, type person. Our podcast is more of the professional, business professional, driving to work, riding the train to work type things. And then our website is where we actually will put our videos as well as our podcast. We'll hub it right there on our website. So those who are subscribed to our newsletter can find easy access to it. But for the most part, two totally different audiences that love to learn in different ways. Wow. Well, I I just want to say congratulations for trying to straddle all of that. I know with me in the podcast and I'm trying to get into YouTube this year, I know that each platform requires such different attention. It is. It is. And you'll be amazing on YouTube. My husband actually comes from an education background. um, And so, you know, they were taught that of course, any student, a child, they learn different ways. You can't teach the same student the same exact way and expect the same results. And so that's primarily our reason for coming out of the gate uh, with those different ventures all at once. But trust me, it is a lot of juggling. Hence why, and we'll talk a little bit later on why the Pinterest actually came to a little fall. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, I can see that because in this world where you're juggling so much different stuff, it is so difficult to try to, um, like you said, teach to each audience and kind of keep up your editorial calendar because we all know consistency is key, right? And if we don't show up, like you said, you have your Sunday night at seven and everybody knows to show up. And that is... That's tough. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Um, okay. So what I want to talk about next is when then, okay, after you you got the blog and you got YouTube up and running in the podcast, when did you start to explore the idea of using Pinterest? So I started to, we actually started to explore the idea of using Pinterest about two years into our journey of blogging and podcasting and YouTubing. And the way that it actually got started, I was a part of a mastermind group. Uh, which is amazing, by the way. If your audience or listeners um, ever heard of a mastermind group and maybe they can, you know, try to come together to join a group, I would highly suggest it because that's what we did. And when we did that, uh, we found that there were a couple of people actually in the mastermind group that was really, really hyping up Pinterest. Like, oh my goodness, you guys need to get on Pinterest. And so uh, they actually did like a little, not, I don't want to call it a webinar, but a, like a little conference call where they actually took us from uh, pretty much the importance of why we should be on Pinterest. And so that's really what started it. Um, we heard that they had really great results. So we we're like, hey, why don't we try it too? And we did. Right. And were you, was the goal to send people mostly to the site or did you also experiment with sending people directly to YouTube? We did both. Um, and back then the video thing was not really as hip on YouTube. I know that Pinterest, um, because they were sending me emails saying, hey, get your stuff, get your videos now on Pinterest and things like that. But back then, video wasn't uh, very attractive. So we would actually embed it into the blog post per se. So a lot of times when people went to Pinterest, they didn't know if it was a video or a podcast. They just saw the image, saw the little write-up. Uh, but we tried both ways. We tried actually where we were sending it straight from YouTube to Pinterest and straight from our website to Pinterest. So then when you were doing that, what kind of results did you start seeing um, as you were pinning, I'm assuming daily pinning and getting stuff out there, what happened? Oh my gosh. Like we did, we started to see uh, a lot of traffic started to come over to our website. Um, one of the tools, I don't know, am I able to talk about the tool? Yeah, yeah, I, for I sure. Listed anymore, but it was Board Booster. And that's hence primarily a little bit on the reason on why we saw it as well too. Um, 
the person that was a part of our mastermind really, really hyped up Moral Booster. I was like, this is what I use. You guys should try. So we did. And believe it or not, it, the interface wasn't as pretty, you know, so that I didn't let that turn me off. But I did like the ease of like setting things kind of once and just peeking my head in every now and then to kind of look to see if I needed to change things. But it was really automatic. Um, so by doing that, we did. We started to see uh, our our website. Our traffic numbers started to increase and our podcast listens started to increase as well. Our podcast downloads. Um, we even noticed our YouTube channel, the subscribers started to um, as well subscribe uh, because a lot of times on YouTube, you have a lot of people that love to watch, but they may not necessarily make the commitment to subscribe. Oh, so okay. uh, a Pinterest user, because they wanted to stay up to date with the videos and did not want to necessarily miss any time we pin, they started to subscribe. So we start to even notice that our numbers started to increase on all fronts. Wow. Okay. So then, yeah, Board Booster is no longer around and Tailwind has an alternative that is not directly the same as Board Booster, but it's their smart loop. So it, it does kind of what you said there. You can just pop in and check on it, kind of set your loops. And um, for those wanting to use it, we do have a course about the smart loop. But I think that is an advantage when you have so many different things you're trying to make sure you pin. And for you, so many different platforms that you're trying to create content for that pinning daily is just not really practical for you. At all. And that's one of the reasons why I was good. I was like, like floating here, you know, a good year passed and we were doing good. And then we started to actually, um, I don't want to say change the direction of our platform, but we started to add products like courses and things like that. So that took a lot of our attention. And in doing so, the Pinterest side of it really did start to lack. Uh, we had every intent on possibly hiring somebody to actually do it. But you know, Kate, how that yeah. goes. Yeah. We're handed everything. We're, we're parents to three children. We're uh, associate pastors at our church. So we're extremely busy, you know? And so we had the idea of doing it. Ask us if we got around to it. <laughs> you, you had a stall out. Yes. Like burnt out all day long. And so um, I'm happy that you talked about the smart loop because that's actually something that you talked to me about too when we met in, per- in person. I believe that it was by application, right? Is that something that we started? It was at the about? time, but it's not anymore. Now everybody can get access to it. Okay. Yes. I can definitely, I definitely think for you, um, especially because of the lack of time. And this is what I tell most people that whenever you set something on automatic, you always want to be super intentional about touching base with it at least once a month. But because you guys are such wide um, content creators on different platforms, it really makes sense for you once a month to really go into analytics, um, set up your smart loop in the ways that they suggest. They'll give you suggested durations for how much time you need to have between pins, set it up. And then maybe at the end of the month, take an hour, kind of revisit it, add in some new content, and then you're off again. And that for you makes so much sense because you're trying to grow something else. So I would say, so what I want to walk you through and are some of the questions that I have to really kind of help you get started again so that you are not, um, you're not hitting another stall out because I like what you said about how your YouTube stuff increased, your podcast increased, your blog, you know, visits increased. And we want to help you do that, but not in a way, you know, that becomes exhausting because you're right. Like burnout happens, but because this platform is such long-term traffic like Google, we want to keep the fire stoked for sure. 
I want you to have me back on here as one of your success stories. Like, yes. give me a year. Kate, I will make you proud. You got <laughs> it. Okay, so I'm actually kind of salivating at the ideas that I can give you for um, ways that you can spread out your content. So, but first I want to ask you this. Who do you feel like um, your target reader is? I know you've said a little bit about them, but um, tell me a little bit more about them and what articles tend to get the most like interaction. And you could even tell me YouTube videos too. I'm just kind of trying to wrap my brain around what appeals to them most. Well, our target readers is usually uh, a wife, stay-at-home mom, wife, or the couple per se. Usually it's the wife that's really on board first. And then she's telling her husband, hey, you got to check out this couple, you know, or listen to this or watch that. Uh, but I would say that it's definitely the a couple, a wife that is um, a woman that is married with children and our audience. They love the debt. We, we're big on like debt free stories. So we a lot of that on our podcast. Now, on our YouTube, we still feature our podcast as well. We'll put those videos out. But on the Sunday, it's just my husband and I. Right. So we're giving something, maybe a life talk or something like that, something that we experienced that week, or it could be anything, how to save on this or that uh, per se. So it's really the couple. We really target couples. Of course, we have a lot of singles uh, that also follow us too and and listen to our stuff or watch it. Um, But our direct reader is that married woman. Okay. What would you say some of her biggest questions are if you had to put the questions in her her um, coming out of her mouth, what do you think she might be asking or even her pain points? Yeah. Uh, So one that we get a lot is how do I get my spouse on board with getting out of debt or even starting our financial journey? So I would say that's definitely what she's asking. How do I do it? Give me application steps, even uh, the side of organization. I'm a big like organizational buff. Like I love everything to be organized and even in your money. And so she's really coming over and she's trying to see how can I organize our money into a way where we can have more freedom, um, build more wealth, and even uh, build a long-lasting legacy for our family and our children. Yes. Okay. So as far as when you... Let's talk first for um, the blog post. When you're creating images, how many pinnable images do you have for those posts? So back in the day when I was pinning, it was only one. Uh, now my husband and I, when I'm dipping my feet in a little bit back into Pinterest, we're kind of doing A-B testing where I actually hide an image. So the user, our reader, they can't see the second image. Um, what is the, we use, I can tell you exactly the plugin. Is it like social warfare or tasty pins? So, but I think after talking with you or someone else, I think that we're going to be changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, yes, it was definitely it was social warfare. Okay. That's it. Got it. Have one visible post, one visible image, and then I would hide one in that plugin that I would kind of like A/B test out. Okay. So what I want to do? Like I know we need to have more than one and things like that, but we only have one. Yeah, and uh, one of the things. So here's a few like quick tips for images and ways I would love for you to test. So number one is going to be um, I. I am great with you hiding the image too, but if you can accommodate it, it might be interesting to have both images live in the post to see. If that takes up too much room, keep with the hidden thing. You can do both, Um, but it might be interesting to see when they go to your article, which one do they end up pinning? Which one do they end up touching on? And then what you can also do 
is you can create a third or a fourth image, but don't, I would say like, don't make this too labor intensive. Maybe just change up the text a little bit and, or even you can grab a different stock image. The reason I'm suggesting more images for you is that that's a really good way to spread out your content to your audience where it looks different. And so going in, let's say you had four different images. Um, which for some people can sound like a lot, but I think if you can use Canva or something and just make like minor tweaks, the biggest tweak that you can make is the text. So some of the questions that these women are asking, you know, how do I organize my money? Or questions like, are you struggling to organize your money? All those questions that you just gave me are really, really good to put on the text because it catches them right away. And there's two people that you're trying to catch on Pinterest. There's the browser. That's the mom who is just killing time when they're in the school pickup line or at the dentist or even when they're you know nursing a baby at home in the middle of the night. They're just scrolling through the feed, looking for things that stand out to them. And when you have that, how do I get my spouse on board with money? That's going to hit them and go, oh, yeah, I've been struggling with this. Now I want to read more. Then there's the people who are searching. And those people are going to be putting in specific things about um, how do I build wealth? And those article, those statements that you have on your pins, they're already searching for it, but they see your statement. They're like, oh, this looks like it answers my question. So really what you need to be thinking about with the images is how do you guys, because you have such strong teaching articles on your site and podcasts, really answer the question for that Pinterest mom that hits their pain point. Sometimes people will do just the title of the post, which is also fine, but it doesn't engage them as much right away. I like it. So are we including the three to four images? Are you suggesting to put in the, the post? What I would do is I would do your first one that you love. Maybe the one that you're like, I want to see if everybody loves this. I'm going to put this at the top. Then you can either leave the second one hidden or you can put it in the post. I sometimes like to put it in the post just because you never know what people are going to pin. I'm not a big person on hiding images, but I know a lot of people do hide them specifically because maybe they don't like text. I know a lot of food bloggers do this because they want the purity of the image without text to be on the blog post. So they'll hide the one with text. But for you, it's a little bit different because they're all going to have text. And then you can directly upload the other two to Pinterest and then just link them to that blog post. So they're not living anywhere on your site. They're just living on Pinterest. Gotcha. You can do, you can do as many images as you want to. Like, let's say you go full steam ahead and you're like, I'm going to do five. Like, that's my goal. I'm going to do five images. Again, I don't want it to be every image is different, but just make minor tweaks so you can start to test. You know, maybe you even come up with like, these are the five types of images we're all always going to create. A block of text here. This is the question. A block of text here. This is a statement. You know, and, and then this is a different stock image. Same thing. Question statement and then something else. Come up with a good rhythm for you that you don't feel like it's going to require too much thinking and that you can kind of pound out the images pretty easily. The other thing that I would want you to think about is, okay, so let's tackle video because I think YouTube and video and all of that is becoming more important on Pinterest. Here's the trick though, is that Pinterest, they have the native video player, which is fantastic. But what we want to do is we want to have a really short form video, one that's just going to be a teaser, 
that sends them to your YouTube channel. And it's maybe just like a like a preview for your show, right? They even less than 30 seconds. But again, asking that really tough question that that mom or um, wife is asking, how do I X, Y, Z? And then that goes to your show where you answer that question. Okay, let me ask you this, Kate. So with Pinterest and video, is it still that very small? Little- no, it's now a, per- a great square. So I have, I have a link for you. I'll send it to you. It's on my site of how to upload video, but it's a one-to-one ratio. So it's a square. And it actually, as you look now in your app and you search for something, what you'll see is Pinterest is putting more importance on video by having them towards the top or even mid-roll. So when you see one that takes up your whole feed on your phone, like it stretches from you know side to side of your phone, that's an ad by a big company. We can't get that full width video yet unless you're willing to pay for it. But you can get the one-to-one square that looks very native on the platform. And that was our issue back when we were doing it. When we were doing the video, it just didn't even look pretty. No. It looks, and also to hear this is very, very exciting. Yes. And another tip for you that I would tell you is I would actually also create a pinnable image with the play button in the middle. And maybe in behind that play button is um, a grayed out image of you and Tillette talking about, um, your, you know, it's just you two side by side. So they kind of know, oh, it's a video with these two people and then it's going to go to YouTube. And that's just a longer image that has your question again, but the middle part looks like a play button. So it kind of tricks the user's mind to click. So they know they're getting a video. And so when they move off the platform to YouTube, they're not surprised. So that's really the best way to get more exposure for your YouTube content directly there from Pinterest is the short little teaser, the you know square video that's going to send them over there. Um, and then the other longer normal size pinnable image, the two to three ratio that has that play button in the middle that sends them over there. That's what I'd suggest you do as far as images strictly for the YouTube channel. All right. So how do you feel about creating more images or working that into your workflow? Does that feel super overwhelming? Uh, it may be for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've tried the whole image thing, the creation. He just, for some reason, he just makes better pictures. Perfect. So I'm like, oh, can you do this? Can you? Uh... So I'll pick out the stock images and everything like that. And I'll tell him, okay, here it is. And for him to create it. I'm still trying my best to improve my skills, but they're not as good oh, as my husband. I get it. I, I gave up. Like I hired my creative director and I was like... I have tried you guys. And even when I do kind of try, like I'll get this moment of I want to be creative and I'll try something. They're like, oh, let me take that for you. Let me just improve that a little bit. That's what we need. And we need to definitely probably look to hire someone that's on the creative side. Because again, with juggling so many other different platforms and things like that, it can become very, very overwhelming. Yeah, I would agree. It's really looking at the things that you can outsource and looking at like, where are your minds and your talents used the best? And where can you pay somebody, which then creates a greater return on your investment for your time. So like my time is not best used on images, because I would spend way too much time, like I would probably spend two hours on a pinnable image, because I would try to get it right. And then my creative director spends like 20 minutes, and she can bust it out right away. So oh, I love it. Yeah. So just ROI there is is a big one. But okay, so then Let's talk about um, what 
how we can maybe for you set some goals for the year. Like if you could tackle three things within the next, I'm going to say month and a half, three months, right? To get started, started back on Pinterest. What would you say would be the three things you can focus on without stretching too thin? Definitely look into the smart loop with Tailwind. Um, also creating, we can definitely create more images the way that you suggested. I would like to start embedding a second image in the post and just tweaking the images with either text or the statement and uploading those on Pinterest. And then a third one, I would probably say definitely, definitely, because YouTube is really our strong point, video is, to definitely start um, doing some of those short clips that you mentioned. You know what? I'm thinking now, Kate, we can even, when we're sitting down and we're recording our videos, we can do a short, like 30 second, you know, Pinterest type, you know, um, B-roll or something like that. So we don't have to actually sit down on a separate day. We can probably just do it all at once. That is super smart because then you're batching it right together with it and you don't have to go back. Yeah, mm. that's, that's, I love it. So for that, I'm going to suggest too that you create a board that is dedicated to the categories of videos that you have. So instead of just saying like his and her money videos or his and her money YouTube, we don't want to do that because we really want to look at what somebody's... The board name needs to be um, really keyword optimized because the algorithm on Pinterest works by looking at the board title and the pin descriptions and kind of matching up to make sure it's in the right silo for lack of a better term. Um, so for you, I would think about um, maybe there is some of them, I wrote some of them down, like how to organize your money videos. So money, you know, that would be a good one right there. Or um, how to build wealth videos. And then you can maybe do, I wouldn't do a ton of boards, but I would definitely do at least three to four that hit on your main most popular type of videos or even the ones you record the most of. So then when somebody on Pinterest is a user is searching for how do I build wealth, the chances of your videos kind of populating in their feed are greater because that's the topic. I like that. I like that. Okay. So come up with at least three to four probably most popular requested type categories and then make sure keyword optimized in the title and add video so they know that it's a video board. Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. I like that. The other thing too, if you haven't done this, and sometimes we take a break from Pinterest and we have we've you know paused. What you should do is go back and look at your boards on your profile overall with fresh new eyes and see if there's board titles you can update that really closely match what the topic is and what people might be searching. We don't want them too long, maybe no than like three words, maybe no more than four, but definitely, um, you know, building wealth, um, organizing your money, um, freedom, like whatever you can go through. And maybe there's some boards too on our profiles that match us more personally, but we're not going to be creating content for them or, um, our reader doesn't really need to know about them. You can always move them to secret. So I would make sure that whatever boards you have on your profile really tightly match the categories and the questions that people are looking for in your personal finance topics. Um, so let me see. We talked about your goals. Anything else that you feel like 
you're confused about when it comes to Pinterest marketing that you really need some clarification on before you really start to enter into these goals? Well, I think you pretty much hit on everything, actually. Um, yeah, maybe the only question is I do currently have a group board. And uh, I heard somewhere that maybe you want to make sure that you don't approve or allow so many people onto your board because it can also mess up your algorithms and things like that or the analytics and things like that on the board. Well, so maybe that. Yeah. So let's talk about, that's a good question about group boards. If I'm going to host one, a few rules that I have for myself is very few contributors and contributors that I know and trust their content so that it, I let somebody onto one of my boards one time and I thought I looked at like the first piece of content he had and it looked okay. But then maybe like a couple weeks later, I went and looked at the stuff and I realized Oh, he, what he's writing does not align with my philosophy of Pinterest marketing like at all. And so I did have to take him off and then I took his content off. But that's really what I'm looking for is alignment with what I also teach. And the number two, I want to make sure the name of the board, I like to have a very niche name instead of something that's very broad so that it really does hit on again what your wife, mom, you know, couples are searching so that the keyword is optimized and then every single piece of content inside that board also matches that title. So you're just really making sure that you're optimizing for search. Okay. So then would you suggest for the current board that that we have, because we didn't do any of that stuff, um, and it's probably just one in a while, possibly just to really close it or make it... What's the name of it? Smart Money Couples. Because we have a Smart Money Couples private Facebook group as well. And so we have a board called Smart Money Couples. Well, for you, I actually think that's good because it matches your branding and it goes along with it. What I would do is I would just check out the contributors that are on there and then check out what they've been pinning. And if there's any red flags, like I shared my red flag, if there's anything that happens, I would definitely go ahead and um, remove that person. It's easy to remove them in the editing feature. And then just keep a close eye on it maybe once a month to make sure that somebody's not going crazy. Um, but most people aren't these days. So group boards are fine for if it comes to good collaboration, some people still find that they work well. But if it becomes something that feels very labor intensive to manage, then definitely pull back on it. And then what you would do is you'd probably just remove the contributors. You can still keep the board live. You would just remove contributors. Okay. And just make it our board. Our own correct. Board. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And I tend to not have on my boards more than 10 people contributing a pretty small community that I allow to kind of feed into this particular board. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I really think it's going to be interesting. So we're definitely going to do a part two to see what happens for you in six months to a year. But the thing that I love about the opportunity for you is that you do have so much content. You're not one of these people that's struggling to create one or two posts a month, but you have such a wide variety, especially all in your archives, to be able to schedule out to add to the smart loop to where you're not going to have the trouble of the same content back to back to back. You're really diversifying what you have. And that puts you at a great advantage to some of the other people who are not creating a lot of content. 
That's awesome. So I'm going to make sure I do my homework and I'll be ready in six months. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So my last question for you, and this is something we're asking all of our guests. What do you love about Pinterest, either as a business user or as a personal user? So what I think that I love most about Pinterest is that everybody, for the most part, is fair game. So when the user or the reader or the person that's scrolling down, you know, in Pinterest, they can't necessarily prejudge. You know what I mean? Like they don't know anything about me. They don't really know my story unless they follow me per se. But if if my title is good and I have an image that looks good, they're going to click it. So I have an opportunity to really grab a lot of different audiences from different backgrounds and things like that. So that's really what I love about Pinterest. I can sort of like hide behind the image per se until they get to kind of know. Yes. Oh, that's so good. I totally agree. It's it, I love Pinterest too because of that kind of like little introvertedness, like kind yes. of wait for them to take action. And um, actually, I realized my last goal for you just now because of okay. that. Okay, so here it is. Because you said you had a newsletter. And um, yes. also because you just said you like that you can hide, hide behind until they click on it. And then you kind of, you have this pathway for them to warm up. Okay, so for newsletter, one of the things that we see that's so powerful is getting people to share your content for you. And oftentimes we forget to leave links like follow me on Pinterest or pin it for later. And when you pin it for later, you're going to grab, you're going to pin the image, grab that URL, and that's what your pin it for later link is. And that allows them to take action on sharing your article on Pinterest now. And we see more people sharing on your behalf. There's really, really great interaction that happens because it's like you not just you sharing, but it's your audience sharing for you. And so I want you to test out that either the calls to action on the newsletter, you can even do it on YouTube. Maybe at the end, you can say, hey, do you guys know we're on Pinterest now? We have all these great boards with tons of resources. Make sure you follow us over there too. So there's lots of different ways to try to cross-pollinate and get more engagement. But audience sharing is a very, very big part of increasing reach on Pinterest. Okay, I like that. So do a call to action within our newsletter as well as on our videos. Yeah, I like that. Okay, we can definitely okay, do that. Good. Oh, yay. We've got so much to cover in six months to a year. So the things I'd love for you to write down before you start, like whether it's today or in the next couple of weeks, is I'd love for you to write down what are your current Pinterest sessions for the month of February when we're recording this so that we have a starting point. And then you can also note the number of followers that you have. And you can go into Pinterest analytics and note the number of saves for the last 30 days. You'll have to, um, it's a daily save number. So you'll basically just have to times it by 28. But um, what we have found is it's okay to see this. We don't necessarily... We aren't going to really lean too heavily on it, but we definitely want to see what the sessions are coming to your site. And I don't necessarily know if you can... Well, you would probably be able to tell me. You can't track on YouTube where the traffic's coming from, correct? Okay. So that one's going to be a tough one. But at least if we have the basis of your site, then we can have a starting point to see how much you grow over this year. Cool. All righty. I am so, so, so excited. And... For those who are listening, can you remind them again where they can go to listen and view your awesome content? Absolutely. So you guys can find us over at hisandhermoney.com. That's her without the S. 
We're also on all social media platforms at His and Her Money, as well as um, we have a podcast show called the His and Her Money Show. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, you name it, we're there. And on YouTube, His and Her Money. Thanks so much, Ty. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This is great and I'm excited. <laughs>